Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Original Sprout. Um, Original Sprout is Carrie's safe, effective pediatrician tested shampoos, conditioners, styling, and body care products. And today's episode is also brought to you by Mother Figure. Mother Figure is a maternal wellness company that makes it easier for moms and moms-to-be to get support. We will hear more from our sponsors later. Um, but you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com if you need anything and check out our sponsor page because our sponsors make this podcast possible. And if you can give them any of your business, that would be awesome. We have a whole page of the sponsors on badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. Um, and uh, oh, while you're there, you can scroll down and enter your email address and we will send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And now Diane has our review of the week. And it comes from iTunes. So thank you so much for putting this on iTunes. And this, she didn't put her real name on here because if it is her real name, she's got lots of consonants in her name with a lot of Z's. So I'm assuming it's not a real name. Um, so she says that we're lifesavers. It says, ladies, this podcast has taught me so much. Currently 25 weeks pregnant with baby number two. And my first is only 10 months old. Good luck. Oh my God. I give you so much credit for that. I only breastfeed my breastfed my first for two months, despite seeing an IBCLC, even though the plan was to breastfeed much longer. Now I realize what it came down to was an extreme lack of education on my part. He was tongue-tied, diagnosed by multiple lactation consultants, and it was extremely painful for me. Thanks to listening to 100-plus episodes of this podcast, I feel so confident going into the second birth, and I know so much more than last time. I have a plan in place for the possibility of a tongue-tie again, possibly including a consultation with Diane. Woo-woo. I feel guilty about cutting my first baby short of all these benefits, but I am determined to be successful this time and even offer breast milk to my first if possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I listen to you guys every single day and the education is invaluable. So first of all, congratulations on having another baby within a year of having your first baby, because that <laughs> that is superstar stuff, I tell you. But I also don't want you or anyone out there to feel like guilty because you shortchanged your first baby because you did not. I mean, I can't tell you how to feel, obviously. But when we know more, we just know more, right? And you, we just don't worry about what happened in the past. We just got to move forward from that. And now you know, and now you have your things set up for you and you're like got your, your ducks in a row. And that's really what matters kind of going forward. So. I mean, who doesn't have regrets? Oh my gosh, we all—we all—it's all—we all have it. Like, we all have them. Yeah, it's so, impossible. If you're if you don't have regrets parenting, then you like were not awake. <laughs> you just parented asleep. I heard somebody say this week: if you don't, if you don't care, like because you because it upsets you, or because you're you know thinking about it or whatever, shows that you really care about your parenting and. You know, I think that's that's valid. That's true. Yeah. yeah. If you were just like, ah, eh, whatever, like, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, you went to the trouble to like find your education this time. And I think that that's amazing. So congratulations. Good luck on baby number two. Let us know how that goes. And thank you for putting that on iTunes for us. That helps the podcast a lot. If you want to give us a review on iTunes, that's awesome. We would love it. Um, but you can also send us an email at What's our email? Badass breastfeeding podcast at gmail.com. I like had a, like a whole brain fart for a second there. But, and we get those too and we love them. So absolutely. 
send us all your stuff. And we did get a couple of emails about relationships. So thank you so much for that. And continue that coming in. If, if you have a little story about relationships that you want to send us, we would love to hear it. So, and today we're going to talk about the pandemic. Oof. Yeah, we know you're sick of talking about it. As sick of talking about it as Will Smith and Chris Rock. Mm. <laughs> oh my God. I can't even with that. <laughs> they're just no, getting our, you know, just, just a little something, something to have our distraction. Right. Yeah. I know. I'd rather think about that than like a pandemic, but I know <sighs> the pandemic's getting old. We're into our third year now. <laughs> and uh, we so old. It's not even. <laughs> Old. It's old school news. Um, but the effects, I think that when you are in your house and you're thinking about your own family and how things have changed, it is, um, especially because it's, you know, it was so recent, you know, it's we're in it right now. It's hard to think about and to realize maybe that the, you know, the, the larger picture effects, the big picture, the social, the effects on, you know, just kind of broadly, more broadly, like birth and parenting and breastfeeding and all of those things. And so that's pretty much like what we're talking about. And I mean, we see it, I, I'm seeing it more and more every day, probably because we're into the third year that things are really starting to show up now. But I, in all aspects, like not even just like with babies, but with babies, I see it in a way and parenting with super little babies, I see it obviously with, you know, the isolation and and things like that that we're going to talk about. But like when I do su my support group online, you know, it's still on Zoom and I have a lot of the same parents that come on every every week. And those, I mean, those babies are like two now, two years old now, because we started, yeah. you know, at the beginning of the pandemic. And they're like, they're all about knowing how to Zoom. Yeah. Because that's all they do. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So now I've got these little babies. Like, one of them's like, is that Diane on there? She's like two and a half, you know, <laughs> like, with her little voice, you know. And she's yeah. like, is that Diane? Where's your doggy? You know, like, it's just Aww. because they're, this is all they know. Like, they don't know anything else. This is how they, they visit their parents or their grandparents. This is how they see friends. This is what they, how they interact with other kids. Well, even, even Exley, he's going to be eight in a couple of months. And when the pandemic started, he was five. Wow. So That's he doesn't, of, yeah. I know he doesn't have a whole lot of memory pre-pandemic, you mm -hmm. know, this'll be his, his, his first memories. Yeah. Even though he was alive for five years. And of course he didn't, he didn't go through kind of what, you know, you know, what he, he didn't have the, the baby experience in the pandemic, which would have, you know, had you know, a lot of effects on him too, but um, this is what he'll remember. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, it's really, I see it in, um, in older kids as well. Like I see it with my kids and sometimes in how they mm -hmm. struggle with just even interacting with other human beings because interaction has been so limited. And yeah. now as older teenagers, it's like, nobody knows how to interact with each other. Um, it's, I see it like when teenagers I, don't know how to act anyway. They don't know how to act. I see it with, um, like I was talking about this yesterday when I was at work at the pediatrician's office. We have a, a psychologist that's there and we were talking about just how much of a strain this has been on, on teenagers, really. 
because yeah. of, of mental health. And that's because, such a social time, right? Uh, yeah. This is really where you're, where, you know, adolescence is really where you're kind of like separating a bit from your family and you're going out and creating your own relationships. And mm-hmm. there was all, all those opportunities were very limited. And it just, it's really, there's a lot, you know, I think in every, in every, every stage, really, like, you know, I see it with my older teens, you see it with your, you know, your, your mid-age kids, we see it with the babies, like there's, somehow it's affected everybody in every stage. It has, yeah. yeah, and you think about like the, like, so people first were, you know, you had to stay home from work, some people, a lot of people lost their jobs, financial mm-hmm. hardships. Uh, family relationships were strained because now we're all together all the time. Maybe there were abusive situations that are now domestic violence is up. Um, you have alcoholism, drug use. Uh, yeah, drug- alcoholism is, I think, a big one. Yes, all of that is up. You know, people's yeah, stress, um, coping mechanisms are up, and um, then you have kids who aren't going to school. For a lot of kids, that was you know an escape from maybe an abusive situation. It was a food source for many I was going to say that. Yeah, food source um, for a lot of people. Yeah. And then you have, um, you know, kids that, yeah, you're, you're not, they're, they're just at home and they're not socializing. Kids are not um, around other kids in other childcare settings or school or extended families. I mean, and you think about like just the ripple effect, how it just kind of rippled through every single aspect of your life and medic people weren't getting medical appointments. Um, people that were, you know, um, birthing we had to, cause you have with parents to, to, to focus kind of on parents of young babies, which is, I think our listeners, <laughs> um, we, there were the people that were pregnant already when the pandemic happened. And then they were faced with, uh, they didn't have a choice. You know, they were like, okay, well, I have to give birth in this pandemic. And it was so early and they were separating moms and they're separating babies, not letting yeah. partners in, not, not knowing, yeah. deals, not knowing nobody knew. And you know, what a scary time. And then you have the people who have, despite a pandemic are just choosing to grow their families, which to me is always makes me laugh in a way that like the human drive to reproduce is so strong. Because we're just like, okay, <laughs> well, yeah, I know there's a pandemic, so, but yeah, time to have a baby, <laughs> which is just, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just what we do. Yeah. I mean, we've always done, you know, and, and you'd look out through, this isn't our first pandemic. I mean, it's our first pandemic, ours that are sitting here listening and talking, but it's not humans first pandemic. Right. It's not humans first, you know, tragedy. We've gone through, you know, wars and famines and of people have just had babies. (laughs) People just continue to have babies. (laughs) All animals do this. It's just like we're wired to just keep going. And it's just funny. It's so funny to just look at, you know, in your conscious mind, look at your animal side and just go, ha ha ha, God, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And it's it's true. It yeah, is true. And like some of the one of the things I remember thinking, like when I was seeing people having babies, and it was when if they were already pregnant in the pandemic hit. Like, there's nothing you can do, right? Like, there's obviously, but it was really a couple of things that that really kind of stood out to me on the negative and the positive side was that now all of these 
all of these, you know, people that are going through pregnancy, they're trying to go to appointments, but now they can't have a support person with them anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was very scary to a lot of people, you know, and now their partner who that was how they're involved right? Now you have partners who are are trying to be part of the pregnancy and trying to bond with this baby, which is super hard to do when the baby is in somebody else. But it's that's their way. They want to hear the heartbeat at the appointment. They can go to the ultrasounds. Like That's the way that they stay involved. And now that was cut off from them. And that was really scary and sad. And a lot of, you know, a lot of pregnant people were just like, what? You know, I I have to go to these appointments alone. I don't like that. You know, I don't have a support person. So that was, you know, that was really hard for them. I know what I heard most from people was like the um the fear of because there was this totally not scientifically backed at all place uh, policy that the hospitals were separating the babies if mm-hmm. the parent had been you know tested positive for COVID or exposed to COVID or suspected whatever. They're just taking the babies and putting them in a different room, which was like traumatizing to even think about. Yeah. For people. And I don't think that's happening now, is it? I don't. I I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Then again, we're talking, we're trying to talk broadly about thousands and thousands of hospitals in America that already are not on the same page. Right. And um, but then we had like the situation where people were working from home, right? People got sent home to work from home in jobs that would normally not be working from home, but then they figured out how to make it work, which was amazing. And now we had partners who would have never had paternity leave be home for extended yeah. periods of time, which was really nice. Um, and that we got if a lot were of healthy time. relationships, then that was nice. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of partners were very grateful for that on both sides. You know, I think a lot of, you know, birthing parents were like, this is great. I get my partner home for a little bit longer than I would have. Um, and a lot of partners were like, I get to have more time home, which is really nice. So that was definitely, you know, kind of a benefit. Still not able to go to appointments, which sucked. Um, I can't tell you how many. Even just in the last probably couple of months, um, I was doing pediatric appointments with one parent in the room and the other on FaceTime sitting in the car in the parking lot. And I was like, come on, you know, like it's the first doctor's appointment. You know, this, there was one time I had a mom that came in. It was, this was only like maybe two months ago where they would not let the partner in. They were only doing one parent at a time. So the mom came in with the newborn baby and she had had like a vacuum extraction delivery, blood loss, you know, like all of this horribly traumatic stuff happen. But because it wasn't a C-section, they only let one parent in. And I was like, can we go get the partner? She (laughs) should not be carrying this car seat. Like, come on. Yeah. What, what, come on. What are we doing here? And they did. They were like, yeah, let's go get the, you know, and they went and got him and he came in or whatever. But it was like, this is ridiculous. We are totally. like two and a half years into this pandemic. Everybody, like, they all had vaccinated, you know, been vaccinated, whatever. I'm sure everyone like, was wearing a mask. Right. Exactly. Like, Everybody's wearing on. a mask. Come Nobody's on. touching each other. Nobody's near each other. Like, let the partner in. Come on. Don't make her carry this car seat by herself. She just went through blood transfusion and traumatic delivery and everything else. Like, 
Yeah, she barely you know, walk anyway because right. of how much damage was done to her and how much yeah. of a significant repair she had had to and have. And don't they tell you, don't lift this, don't do that. Right. And yeah. then here, here, but you don't have any help. So here you go. Ridiculous. Yeah. And but this I is what reading. doctor's offices were doing all over the place. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and you know, and, and, on, and on one hand, we didn't know what was going on. You know, right. we had no idea what this thing was and everyone was panicking and trying to, you know. They're just trying to do the best is thing, it, but was right. it really? Yeah. Was it really the best thing for the new parents? That's right. that's what we're talking about today. Like, was it really the best thing for new parents? Well, right. And, and, and you know, that whole thing of the separating the baby thing, my thing was like, we are, we, we don't know if separating, you know, the baby is helpful, but we do know that separating baby is harmful. <laughs> right. You know, we do know that just bottom line, flat out that like, you know, that baby needs to be with the parent. That's the safest place for the baby after birth. Right. And so we know that we don't know this other thing, but we were just jumping to it. I mean, we were, it was, we were the only ones doing it. America, right. The, yeah. The know. World Health Organization was like, do they not said, separate do mothers and yeah. babies, please. Right. We don't have enough information right now to think that that's necessary. And so, but you know, America just does stuff. But, you know, I was reading when I was, I was reading around, you know, looking at, try, trying to kind of get a feel of, you know, what's, um, what's out there, what's being said about this. And one thing that what was interesting that I hadn't thought about was that labors have, um, just, just labor in general have gotten longer. And we think about like people, um, pregnant people in quarantine are less active, mm-hmm. um, you know, making it more difficult for like spontaneous labor to happen. It's making labors longer. Um, it's making interventions, birth interventions have increased. Oh. Um, yeah. And stress, you know, stress, stress. Of course, has an yeah. effect, effect on all of this, which is um, affecting um, just labor in general. And, um, you know, this affects like the way your labor is going to go and then leads to interventions, which we know has an effect on breastfeeding which we know is an effect on kind of everything and you know you don't you don't really stop and think something about like the just the ripple effect of 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 it all and there's nothing we're not saying you know we're not (laughs) there's nothing we could do about it we're just just is acknowledging you know looking into it a little bit deeper than what we do um in our everyday lives really yeah so let's do our sponsors and then we're going to talk about um the how this impacted a lot of lactation stuff, breastfeeding and all that. So we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Mother Figure. Mother Figure is a maternal wellness company that makes it easier for moms and moms to be to get support. Mother Figure offers a directory that connects families with lactation consultants, doulas, pelvic floor physical therapists, and more nationwide a magazine that spotlights real mom stories and a need-to-know info from experts, and maternity clothing that's beautiful, functional, and machine washable. Mother Figure's multitasking maternity bra is a hands-free pumping, nursing, and everyday bra that's been featured on Romper, Parents, Scary Mommy, and more. It's Ucotech certified and has been called one of the best nursing and pumping combo bras on the market. You can check it out at shop.motherfigure.com and use code BADASS for 25% off your purchase. Um, if you did use the code before, we were advertising it as 15% off, but it's actually 25% off. So hopefully you were pleasantly surprised by that. And if you haven't used it, use it. Shop.motherfigure.com. BADASS. 
uh, is the code that you can use at checkout, and that will get you 25% off your purchase. Today's episode is also brought to you by Original Sprout. Original Sprout carries safe, effective, and pediatrician-tested shampoos, conditioners, styling, and body care products produced and packaged in California, USA. Are you sporting a hairstyle that needs extra support? The classic hair gel is made with apple and apricot extract while hydrating hair with cucumber, securing even the most elaborate hairstyles. I use it to tame my frizz and flyaways. And the classic styling balm is made with shea and cocoa butter that provides a long-lasting hold and ideal for styling curls. All of Original Sprouts products are paraben and phthalate-free, vegan and cruelty-free. Their proprietary formulas contain nourishing extracts from fruits, vegetables, and flowers that the whole family can enjoy. Made for babies, perfect for grown-ups too. Check out the entire line at OriginalSprout.com and use code BADASS for 25% off your purchase. That's OriginalSprout.com and use code BADASS for 25% off your purchase. And our promo codes and our... Sponsor information can be found in our show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. Our show notes will also include further information about things we talk about in this episode. And at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you will also find our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. Yeah. So. Pandemic. Pandemic. So one of the things that came up, um, at least here, I don't know if it's, you know, what it was like everywhere else, but I feel like lactation consultants were like one of the first to go. So, yeah. well, they're, like, yeah, like they're, in the hospital, always the first to go. Right. Yeah. They're like, we don't need you. But like in the hospital setting, you know, they were, they were taking out as many, they were having limited staff, obviously, like it was limited. And you weren't staying in the hospital very long at all. Like it, where it used to be two days, which isn't a lot, went to like 24 hours. And that's really not a lot of time to get the help you need if you need more extra help. Mm-hmm. But the other thing was they put, I know like in the hospitals here, the lactation consultants were maybe moved to, if they were RNs, were moved to the floor to help work or they were you know moved to different parts of the hospital to help work. Or they were just furloughed and been like, okay, you're extra staff that we don't need here. And we're trying to limit the amount of staff that's here to limit transmission. So you got to go. That I know that that was happening like in the pediatric offices and things like that. They were just like, okay, if you're needed, we'll have you come in. But if not, we're not going to have you just be here just in case. So the support systems was were really limited for lactation. And I'm sure with everything else, but this is a breastfeeding podcast. So that's what we're talking about. Right. <laughs> but then you can't like, whereas home visits, then that stopped, obviously. So where people used to come to our, you know, we used to go to be able to go to people's homes and help with babies right away. And, you know, when, when parents came home from the hospital and if they needed extra support with breastfeeding, that stopped. You know, I mean, obviously, um, so really getting help was very, very limited, at least hands-on help. We we're able to do a lot of video stuff and people are like, how can you do, which I still do tons of, of videos. And I think that that has really been helpful. But if somebody wanted, you know, somebody really just at their home, that was a really hard thing because you couldn't do that anymore. But you know, what didn't stop was the formula free samples. Oh, 
Because that could get delivered right to your house. Right. Come on. And so what an opportunity mm-hmm. to, you know, advertise our product and kind of offer this. And well, it's not working out for you. Well, you know, don't worry. And we know and we know how important, you know, breastfeeding is, you know, in any kind of disaster situation. And this is what this is. You know, a pandemic is a, you know, a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and breastfeeding is something that is, first of all, protecting, you know, babies from the virus, right. from your serious illness. And, um, you know, we've seen with this uh, recent, you know, that we had the formula recall. But even before the formula recall, there was formula shortages mm-hmm. because the you know supply chain is breaking down and people couldn't get formula. Yeah, and so we're seeing you know the we're seeing the effects of you know when you're not breastfeeding or when you're reliant on formula how that how that plays out in a in a natural disaster. I did a prenatal this week with somebody who her this is her third baby and her first two babies. She was not successful with breastfeeding, um, a lot of lack of support and things like that. But she was like, okay, now I'm having my third and, you know, formula is not as easy to find. And when you do find it, it's expensive. And, there, you know, it's just, we don't know. There's been recalls. Like, that's scary. You know, and can I just say for one second how f- fucking disgusting it is to jack up the prices of formula? I know. During, I mean, this is capitalism here. This is capitalism at work. Capitalism at its finest is that we are in. You know, supply is short. We the stuff that we need, and this was happening at the beginning of the pandemic too, with things like vitamins and and and, uh, toilet paper and hand sanitizer. (laughs) Yeah. What and bread? Everything. Right. Everything was in shortage, so companies were just jacking up the price. What the hell, man? If mm-hmm. that doesn't tell you everything that you need to know, I mean, and then we're, we're the babies are like reliant on this formula and they can't find it. And then they jack up the prices yeah. of what this baby needs to survive. Give me a break. I know it's awful. But if that's going to help somebody to make a decision about breastfeeding, then fantastic. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, that is... Well, then the that's fact a very that there valid is a- reason to to want to try to breastfeed. That's a very right. valid and people reason. People were trying to like relactate and things like yeah. this, you know, trying to get donor milk because that was they couldn't feed their babies. And I mean, they couldn't. I mean, it's happening right now. This is right. Mm-hmm. We're in this formula shortage right now. And the recall. Um, yeah, yeah bre- I'm, real things. It, it, and it then just then- goes to show that we need more breastfeeding support right now, how that would be helpful. But of course. That's not happening. And that was limited. That's not like the answer that anyone has. Like, duh. Right. It's just, and it's, it's limited. So it's very, very difficult to say the least. And even little things that we would do to help, like if it's really, if you're really struggling with breastfeeding, you know, depending on the situation, sometimes we do recommend other resources, chiropractic and feeding therapy and, you know, tongue tie release and things like that, that we need sometimes to make breastfeeding successful. And all of that stuff was off the table too. So it really made it hard to be successful. And then at the same time, you're trying to recover from having a baby. You don't have any help because you're isolated. You don't have people coming in to help you that normally would come in to help you. Um, You know, it's just, there's so much you're up against when you're, you know, it's just unbelievable. 
Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because I was talking to a neighbor of mine. I've had two neighbors who have had babies in the past year or so. And one of the neighbors I was talking to, um, she had her baby real like closer. To, I think she was, she was one of the ones who was pregnant before it happened. And um, so I was asking her, you know, what was it like? Da, 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 and she was like, I mean, it was my first baby, so I don't really know the difference. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's really interesting. It's true. If you if you're having your first child, you don't know what's different. You're not like, oh, this is different in the hospital now. That's different. That's different because you don't. You've never been there, right? You know, this is normal to you. And um, you know, we always talk about parenting and being a new parent and all of this stuff is being so isolating. And people going through this now being even more isolated than ever before. And so this is, in some ways, some people's normal. Mm-hmm. True. That's very true. Um, I mean, we know and we've talked about a lot on different episodes about how isolating being a new parent is anyway. And then we are in a situation like a pandemic where interaction with other people is not even an option. And it really caused, I think, a lot of postpartum issues. You know, just a lot of mental health problems. And even if, you know, even if you weren't having a baby in a pandemic, like I think there was a lot of mental health stuff happening. Um, I mean, I know, like I, me personally, like I, I remember like even just the other day, I was like texting with my sister about something and I'm like, I really feel like I looked completely different before the pandemic. Like, I feel like I was aged over the last two years. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, like when you see the like a before and after of the president, yeah. like, like before their presidency and then after the presidency, they've only aged like 20 years. I know. Like, that's how I feel. And my sister's like, you're fine. And I'm like, I really feel like I looked way different pre-pandemic. Well, like, yeah, I just feel I mean, like I'm just long aged. enough to age. I know. But I feel like it's just really like, yeah. like there was just something about every day was groundhog day. You know, like every day yeah. you wake up, you're in the same thing. You're not like, oh, tomorrow I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna go for an outing. Like I'm so glad to finally see parents who are like, tomorrow we're gonna go out and maybe go to Target. You know, like now they can do stuff like that just to get out of the house. Yeah. Nobody was doing that. And you couldn't do that. And it was just like, oh my gosh, we're all just stuck inside with each other. What do we do? And, yeah, and, and it wasn't good for mental health for people that needed to be Especially if you're like an extrovert anyway, and you're like, oh my gosh, I need to, you know, be play groups and, you know, do things with my others. You know, I mean, I had, I had a couple of moms in my group where like the first one was born pre pandemic and now they had their, you know, we're having their second during the pandemic. So their, their first one was only like, you know, one or two years old. And she's like, we've never been to the library. We've never been, you know, anywhere together yeah, like we've right. never we've never done anything like my my kid is and i've had a lot of parents say that like my kid is too we've never gone anywhere and it's like wow oh my god you know like that's that really puts into perspective what a long two years that must have yeah, been right right and then we worry about wh- how is this impacting their development right right and this is something that we see or we've we've we it's possible that we would see um, some delays in this area. Mm-hmm. And that must be so panic inducing for parents yeah. to see a, a baby that's not meeting their developmental uh, milestones. However, talk to your doctor about it because it is possible that it is just a, 
symptom of, you know, how of living in quarantine, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible that this is it and, and, you know, kids will catch up and everybody's in the same boat. That's why I can't stand listening to people say like, oh, the kids are missing school. They're so behind. Behind who? <laughs> like literally behind who? Right. Like everybody is going through the exact same thing. Right. I mean, and I, I think as parents, we blame ourselves, right? This is not our yeah. fault. But we're like, oh my gosh, my you know, my kid is not where they where quote unquote they should be. Have I not done enough with them? Have I not done enough to to encourage growth and development? Have I not done enough to no, this is not this is not our fault. This is no, not our not, fault. Yeah, it's not our fault that we're home, you know, we're stuck at home or, you know, not doing our normal lives. It's also not our faults that we're like laying in the fetal position on the floor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know, you're you're making these especially early on, it felt like you were making these life or death decisions every day, you mm-hmm. know, like, okay, is this safe to do? Is this not safe? I don't know. And you know, it's like that's not a normal state of mind to be in. Right. Every single day all the time. No, it's like you're always in fight or flight. That is yes, not healthy. Exactly, exactly. That is not healthy to always be in a fight or flight mode. Yeah, and I think that we should talk about since we're talking about the pandemic, I know that there's still a lot of questions around what, you know, can I breastfeed? What do I do if I get COVID? Can I get the vaccine? And all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's more information out there, there's still people kind of wondering. There's still people that are like, you know, what do I do? What do I really do? Um, and you can, please do continue to breastfeed when yes. when you get COVID. Yes, please that do. That is the best thing you can do. Just like any other illness. Yes. Any other illness, because I know sometimes people are still unsure. I, I always still get messages. I have the stomach bug. Can I still breastfeed? You know, yes, absolutely. If you feel up to it, I'm not going to say, oh my gosh, you have to breastfeed. Because personally me, if I'm sick, I don't want anybody near me. Right. I don't want anybody touching yeah. me. I don't want any, you know, like, so if you're kind of one of those people who are like, I just don't even want the baby on me. I just feel, ugh, that's okay. Give them milk from the freezer. If you can pump, that's great. That's you fine. Get, yeah. You're going to need to pump because you don't want to get, you right. know, messed You're definitely going to need to pump, but do what you can do if you are sick. Yeah. But it is not harmful for you to breastfeed your baby when you are sick. It is no, actually it is a, beneficial. Yes, yeah. it's a great idea because they're getting, actually, they have found COVID antibodies in breast milk. Yes. So those are being passed to the baby. The same thing with the vaccine. The I mean, antibodies have, are being passed to the baby. Absolutely. And I have families that are like, I'm going to keep breastfeeding, you know, like they're toddlers. I just want to get through one more winter of covid to give my baby these antibodies right. because it is very powerful. They are finding it in the milk. They're finding that it's passing to the babies. If you are vaccinated during breastfeeding, which you can be, that is going to the babies as well. Like it is so beneficial for your baby to get these antibodies. Just like we encourage that. Just that is one of the biggest reasons why people choose to breastfeed is so that babies can get antibodies. That doesn't change because this is a, a new disease. Right. This is the the same same thing. It's the same thing. So your baby is getting a lot of benefit from it as well. Don't worry about like, I mean, that whole like where we were talking about, oh yeah, they're separating babies in the beginning. They had no idea what they were doing. They had no idea what they were doing and it was not the correct thing. We know that. Yeah, we know that now. And then they'll say like, oh, you know, 
breastfeed the baby and then go put him in another room. No, that's ridiculous. Like, I know. it's just, it is so like, it is so ridiculous. Like there is stuff happening that I just could not even understand. Like people would tell me that they'd be like, yeah, I, I tested positive. Um, Cause we know, right. That people test positive and then they might be living with somebody who never tests positive. Like right. we know that that happens. It's just random or whatever. Yeah. So now you have people like, oh, I tested positive, but my partner didn't. And they said, you know, so I couldn't go to a doctor's appointment, but my my partner could because he didn't. But you're all living in the same house. You're all exposed. Like, what is, oh, and then I got to put the baby down and I can't be with the baby. I can only breastfeed them with a mask on and, you know, gloves or whatever. And then I've got to hand the baby off to somebody else. Like, you're all exposed. You're all in the same house. So that didn't ever make any sense to me. You can breastfeed your baby. You can hold your baby. You can do skin to skin with your baby. It's okay. It is totally okay. Yeah. These are the things that protect babies. Yes. Not putting them in a room by themselves and separating them. No, that is not okay. And, you know, do I I mean, I, I think about like if I tested positive for COVID, I don't know. I might open a window, try to make it like, you know, ventilate a little. Yeah. Maybe I would try to, you know, stay in another room or put a mask on or something. My kids are older, though, so it's totally different. If I had a baby, though, like if my kids were older and I had a baby, I would take the baby into the other room. Yeah, isolate. You know? just you and I'd the baby. be like, yeah. I'll just like, you know, not isolate, like I'll come out sometimes, but maybe I would try to spend like most of my time in another room just to like minimize because you can't remove the risk. Right. Right. And I'm not going to lock myself in a room and like never see my children. Like. I think that some of the things like I do realize that 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 would be that would remove risk, you know, by separating mm-hmm. quarantine in a room, shut the door, we'll open the door in two weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, I can't do that. No. I have two kids that I need to see and they're old enough where I could be like, OK, I'm going to just be in here like, you know, I'll spend like my relaxing time in here or I'll nurse the baby in here just to like spend a little bit more time away to like, you know, minimize risk. but. I don't, you know, it's not, it's not practical because we have a lot of this like information that comes out of things that you can do to, to minimize risk. And then, and then some of it is just not practical as a parent. Right. You know, and that's where you have to, I think, take the situation into your own hands Mm -hmm. and you have to do what you can do, you know, do what you can do. And then also realize that you're a parent and that your rules are different for you. They just are. I mean, you have to do the best you can with what you have to work with. Right. Really. I mean, it just, and then you had, you know, like it, in the beginning there when with essential workers, you know, you have all these people that are quarantined at home and then you have essential workers and it's like, well, were they supposed to stay away from their families? Well, yeah, right. Right. They weren't doing that. You can't do that. That's not realistic. And you hear no. these stories about, oh, my husband's staying in another, you know, in our, in our camper in the front yard. Well, right. <laughs> I, I, re- I remember reading that somewhere, you know, like I well, don't remember it was a Facebook yeah. post or something. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is but, how scared we were. Well, yeah, but also think about how 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 like middle class of right. uh, recommendation these are. Like people don't have like work from home. Like what? People that work in like factories can't work from home, right? People need to go to work to make money, otherwise they'll be on the street because the government doesn't help anybody here. I mean, other countries are paying people to stay home. Here it was like, go to work. Oh, stay home. Right. 
I mean, you know, and like people that have office jobs and stuff like that, like my husband could work from home, but like, that's not what everybody has. No, it's, they don't have that opportunity. And it's so, I don't know that we're always aiming. We're always making these recommendations based on the lifestyle and the resources of a few. Yeah. Not the, you know, the, the majority really. I was reading something and it was actually a really good article, but then I I kind of felt like it was very almost like middle class-ish, you know, because, and it was great because it was, it was written by somebody who had a set of twins during a pandemic, but then also had two other younger kids. And she was talking about like things that you could do to kind of help and, you know, giving suggestions and, and it was really good. But then she was like, you know, oh, our, you know, my husband's sister was vaccinated. So she was able to fly in and help us. It's like, that is not, that is not something that's possible for the right. majority of people. <laughs> just fly them in. Right. Yeah, you know, and people, like, oh, and then our other, our parents, you know, our other parent, you know, parents had flown in to help and they brought us and yeah. bought us a new freezer and stocked it up with food. It's like, that's like, do not you something everybody can do. That the majority of Americans cannot afford a plane ticket. Or a new freezer like, to do, stock up with food from Costco. Right. Or the space. For right. A, or the space. Exactly. Like, this is why, this is what I get into with the whole like, oh, baby should be sleeping in a separate room. Blah, blah, blah. Like what? That, what? Do you, do you, this is not how most people live. Most right. people do not live to have a separate room for each member of the family. Yeah. Give me a break. And it was, you know, that was part of her thing, too. She's like, oh, we had bought a new car and then we found out we were having twins. So now we had to get a different car. It's like, that's not realistic (laughs) for other people, for a lot of people. (laughs) You know, and then she was like, you know, luckily my husband works for, I think she's in Wells Fargo. So he was able to get 16 weeks of paternity leave. And it's like, this is, this is an article that was written for like, I don't, I don't even know, not the majority of people. Right. Because that is not the norm. It is not. And right. especially like and when we were going through and I didn't have a baby, but you know, we were, me and my kids were isolated. Obviously I was sent home from working and doing every, whatever I could do from home, which wasn't a lot. Phone calls really was, you know, about the best, most, most I could do home with my kids who are trying to do school online. And my husband's an essential worker. So he was gone and coming home in and out. And it was really before we knew a lot of stuff. And I was like, so what if you bring it? We're here doing nothing. We're completely isolated. And what if we get sick because of you? That's the situation that the majority of Americans were in. Exactly. And if I had a newborn, I don't know, I would have might have had to send him away. Like I would have been that paranoid because I was anyway. Well, exactly. And I was like, in the beginning. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I would have been- but then like, again, you know, I have this situation, you, you have this situation probably too, is where there's like, we have a basement and there's a room down here that has a bathroom in it. I'd be like, you're just going to be down there. Yeah. You know, we'll like, we'll hang out with you at the, <laughs> we'll be at the top of the stairs. You can be at the bottom of the stairs. Well, we had, there was <laughs> people one. People can't do this. I know. Most people can't do that. We had one point. So his, my father-in-law passed away right before, like right as things were getting shut down. So their house was empty and we were trying to like clean it out and stuff like that. I was like, you might just have to stay at your parents' house, you know, which Uh he didn't, he was like, I'm not doing that. Like what for the next year? Like that's crazy. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I didn't know what to do, but there was a lot of time. And I think a lot of it was my own frustration that I was stuck at home 
you know, I was stuck at home. I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't do anything but order sweatpants online because that was basically my whole thing. <laughs> like I'm just- I swear to God, leggings and sweatpants. <laughs> That market must have boomed so much over the pandemic. <laughs> right. And, you know, just trying to like support my kids through it because they were frustrated with everything. And it's like what I, I can't imagine if I'd had a newborn or if I was, you know, I don't know. Like it just it was such a difficult time for everybody and everybody had their own own issue with it. You know, and everybody's issue was different. And it just is so, it was so hard. And now we're trying to come out of it. And it's like, so what is life like now? Like, it's just people with newborns and and babies are almost afraid still to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is all they've known for two years. Right. Right. Yeah. You became a parent in a pandemic. Hi, name of the episode. Yeah. Um, And that shaped your whole entire transition to parenthood. Right. The pandemic did. Yeah. And even maybe, you know, daily, you didn't think about it like that, especially like entering the third year. Maybe it, maybe it's not like at the forefront of everyone's mind, um, but it really did. And you don't know. You don't know, mm. you know, what it was like to become a parent, you know, right before that. It's like, um, you know, like like how 9-11, you know, changed so much about how you how we fly, you know, the experience of flying on an airplane. Yeah. And we think about people that, you know, before that happened, if you know, if you weren't old enough to fly before that, um, you just don't, you don't know that all the things that you go through now are new. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and one of the other things too, and of course you can relate to this because I know you went through it. We got a lot of messages from people who were like, what do I do? Because I have a newborn and I'm nervous about, you know, my newborn getting sick and being exposed or my baby or whatever, whatever stage your baby was in. But my family doesn't believe in quarantining and my family doesn't believe in the vaccine or my family doesn't believe in, you know, being cautious. So I don't want them over. And now they're mad at me. Like it just when you're in on opposite sides, and I know you kind of went through that too. Totally. So it's like, and my kids were older, so it's like, and I wasn't seeing anybody anyway. But you know, my parent, my family, uh, my dad was gone, but my mom was, you know, was good about it, and she was very much, you know, kind of isolated or whatever. And my, you know, my sisters the same, and we just all kind of kept in touch and respected each other's wishes or whatever. But. There's a lot of families that don't respect each other's wishes. Totally. Totally. And or or because this would happen in my family, too. They would be like, oh, no, we're totally. Yeah, we're being cautious. Yeah, yeah. And then you ask them questions and like you realize that people's definition of caution <laughs> varies greatly, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, no, no, you know, and you're like, wait, but didn't you. You know, you said you're being cautious, but then you just said that you went to like a party with like 200 people at the club. <laughs> and it's Wisconsin. No one's wearing masks. Like, what, you know, I'm like, wow. Okay. So what is it that you're not doing exactly? <laughs> what is it that you like? What are the, the sacrifices you've made exactly? Because I'm not clear. Yeah. And I, but, yeah. I one of my, I know one of my families, you know, it was very clear to their in-laws, to the all parents on both sides. It wasn't just like one side. It was clear to everybody. Look at, we're all vaccinated. I know you guys are too, but you know, Obviously, our one-year-old is not, so we're going to ask that you please be cautious. Please wear a mask. This is when things were kind of like loosening up a little bit. Yeah. And then she 
caught her father-in-law, not caught, but like she went to go pick up something at a store and saw her father-in-law walking into a store with no mask. So she was like, (laughs) 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 exactly. Yep. And she was told her husband, like, you need to handle this kind of thing. And he was like, yeah, you know, and her father-in-law was, yeah, I did it. So like, we asked you, please be cautious because, you know, we can't let you see the baby then. If you're not going to be cautious, you can't see the baby. And it's like, that's a hard conversation to have with family that's there to help you. Right. Right. It's yeah. Just, it's a hard conversation to have. It's just like, you know, the boundaries with families. Yeah. We've had episodes about that, you know, where it's just, it's so difficult. Everybody's so defensive about it. I know. I know it. So yeah, you guys, so we, we don't have we, a lot of answers we here. We could just keep talking about this all day. It's so interesting. Um, yeah. We're living through history. It it really is. And, you know, I hope everybody's feeling, you know, comfortable coming out of it. And I know, of course, everybody's people are having their, you know, having babies still. Like you said, that does not stop. Um, and we know more now, that which is a good thing. We know more. I know a lot of people feel really like their, their experience having the baby, you know, when the pandemic first started and there was separation and there was isolation and there was, you know, all of that, that that was just, we hear you that that was not an ideal situation because it wasn't. It was terrible and you got robbed. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's just nothing else to say about that. Like it just was awful. But it's not how it's supposed to be. But. No. And I mean, it'll never go back to completely normal because I mean, things have changed. Right. Things you know, are, and things, things are don't different. always, things yeah. don't just go back. They evolve and it will continue to evolve into, you know, a, a new normal or a new life after yeah. the pandemic. So um, I would but, link, I've got, you know, a couple cool things um, that I can link some articles. I'll link the article about the mom who had people flying in and buying her new freezers and stuff like that. So everybody can read that. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, there was some good, I you know, stuff in there. But yeah, yeah. I was just like, wait a minute. It's craziness. Um, but there is, you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of baggage attached to this pandemic. That yeah, isn't just totally. what people talk about because nobody talks about, I feel like this got lost. You know, nobody's really talking about what's happening with those little babies that were born in the pandemic. So that's true. Yeah. The little yeah. pandemic babies. Yeah. But yeah. So if you, uh, if anybody has a story they want to share. Yeah. Please let us it. know. Yeah, yeah. We would love to hear stories. I mean, that <laughs> how you got through it, you know, yeah. like how you got through it and what your, maybe you have a trick. Maybe you have a, something that was beneficial to you. There was a lot of, you know, online groups that came out at this time. There was a lot of support online and and through social media that happened, which was nice. So um, if you have anything you want to share, go ahead and send it to us. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.